0: Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby.
1: This is John Katsimatidis, and uh, it's 5 o'clock, the number one show at 5 o'clock. You tune into us, you find out what's going on in the whole world, and and uh, even the KGB tunes in to find out what's going on. I mean, it's it's, it's crazy. Uh, with us today is uh, Judge Weinberg, a common sense Democrat, and we have Governor Pataki. Uh, Governor, thank you for being here.
2: Thank you, John. Always great being on with you.
1: Thank you, and Craig Eaton, uh, ten years GOP chairman of Brooklyn, and one smart attorney, and of course Rita Cosby on my side. Uh, Rita, who do we have on today? Well, we have an action-packed show. Later on in the hour,
3: we're going to have former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo to talk about these big intel leaks. Also, General Keith Kellogg, former National Security Advisor Paul Vallis, uh,
1: who was From in the Chicago. race. Chicago. Yes. Chicago got, he lost the election. Chicago got the uh, DNC convention. Yeah, they lost to New York. So we're going to talk about
3: that. Dr. Peter Mihalos, big breakthrough on Long vitamin time D. Um, and also, we are going to be talking right now, though, with Professor Alan Dershowitz because there is huge news that just broke that Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is now, get this, he is suing the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, and uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz, who has a great new book out called Get Trump, uh, joins us now here on Cats and Cosby. Professor Dershowitz, you can't make this up. Uh, they're all suing each other. What do you make of this lawsuit? Well, first of all,
4: please send Mike Pompeo my best. He was uh, a great student in my first year class in criminal law a hundred years ago, and I'm very proud of him and It was Mike Pompeo who I patted on the shoulder, and Larry David saw it and screamed at me and said, "Oh my God, you congratulated Mike Pompeo. I can never talk to you again. That shows you how divided our country is so uh i done my very best to Mike Pompey, who's a great guy. Yeah, he's
1: a very, very decent individual. He was number one in his class in West Point, and yeah. uh, and very decent individual, very religious individual.
3: Yeah, and smart guy. I can't so, wait I to say, talk brilliant, with brilliant. him. Brilliant. Yeah. And today he's of all days. And, and, and Intelli- we're going to
1: talk to him about the, uh, Professor Dershowitz. The world is a mess. I mean, uh, yeah. Saudi Arabia has ratcheted up uh, United Arab Emirates uh, to go yes. with them, with the evil empire, with China, and uh, also Egypt was going to sell rockets to Russia to attack the Ukraine. I mean, this is one big mess we have here. It's a mess. It's it a is mess. a total mess.
4: But let's focus for a minute. Let's fo- on the contract- focus on uh, on the, the law. lawsuit. on the lawsuit. Okay, so here, I want you to imagine the following. Imagine that it's 1960, and in the South, um, Jim Crow prosecutors are prosecuting civil rights workers, and the democratically controlled House committee says, you know, we're going to subpoena these folks because they're violating the U.S. Constitution. Would any Democrat complain about that? Of course not. So Jim Jordan, look, I don't vote for people like that, but Jim Jordan is subpoenaing people to check on 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 brag uh, that has implications for american foreign policy the head of el salvador recently said don't lecture us on democracy if you have a new york prosecutor trying to put in jail and stop from running against our current president a man who's you know uh, trying to beat him that's banana republic so I, I don't think that jim jordan will lose his case against Bragg, but you never know with a new york judge But uh, in the end, I think probably Congress does have the power to look into whether or not local prosecutions are having an impact on American foreign policy and the Constitution, whether that's the right committee to do it. You know, I leave that to Congress. But it's an interesting issue. It's an interesting tactic that is being used by Republicans, and I'm sure the Democrats will use
5: it as well. Professor, this is Craig Eaton. I mean, Congress has an absolute right to investigate and an absolute right to hear Bragg and his reasoning for bringing this ridiculous lawsuit.
4: Yeah, no, I think that's right. And whether or not it has an impact on American on American foreign policy. And uh, he also has the right to call people who wrote a book about it. If you write a book about something, uh, you're exposing it to the public view. And then Congress has the right to. To call you. You can't, what privilege are you going to invoke? You have no executive privilege, you have no Fifth Amendment privilege. So um, I suspect in the end, um, these hearings will go on. And, you know, obviously they're politically motivated. Everything today is politically motivated, and that's a tragedy. But, uh, you know, tit for tat, you fight fire with fire, and that's going to be the end result. There's going to be politics on both sides. Look, the prosecution is clearly political. If this guy's name was not Donald Trump and it wasn't New York City, there isn't a chance in the world that there would be a prosecution based on the uh, facts that were alleged in that non-indictment. You know, you talk about an indictment. I've read it now a dozen times. It's not an indictment. It's a list of checks. It's a list of invoices in search of a legal theory. But there is no legal theory. It's not a real indictment.
2: Governor Protector. Uh, professor, uh, you're absolutely right about that. And, uh, uh, I think this is fascinating the, uh, Jordan effort to subpoena, uh, Bragg. Uh, one of the things that I'm really interested in is what motivated Bragg to bring these charges? You know, we're, can we or can Jordan access emails, correspondence, things where people may have been saying, You know, all right, you took a pass, but look at this because this is important politically for us to do. So I'm concerned about the motivation when it was passed by uh, so many others and passed by Bragg, apparently, initially as well. And then finally, for whatever reason, what motivated him to bring this action?
4: Yeah, no, you're right. That's a very interesting point, because probably Trump and his lawyers can't get to those emails because motive is not a defense. Bad motive is generally not a defense. a criminal charge, but if Congress has authority under the supremacy clause to make sure that the Constitution is not being violated by state prosecutions, as they did during the civil rights period, when local civil rights workers like me were being targeted, targeted by, by former Klansmen, sometimes current Klansmen, who were in the police department and who were Jim Crow prosecutors, certainly the federal government had authority over that, and although I don't want to ever compare the you know, Ku Klux Klan South with New York City, in terms of the fairness, there is a comparison. And so you can't get a fair trial in New York City, if your name is Donald Trump, any more than you could get a fair trial in the South if you were a civil rights worker.
1: Now, the, the next question is, Congress is trying to drum up ethics for the Supreme Court. Does Congress regulate the Supreme Court? Well, the Supreme Court
4: is an independent institution of government. But Congress does have some power. It can limit the jurisdiction. For example, Congress determines the number of justices there are. There's nothing in the Constitution that says nine. Congress could say 12. That's what the Democrats want. The Democrats want to pack the court. Who do you think would pack the court? It would be Congress that packed the court. So yes, Congress does have some authority. Now, Chief Justice Roberts says maybe they don't have the authority to give us ethics rules, but uh, I think he's wrong about that. I think they do have the authority to give ethics rules. Um, They don't have the authority to cut back the number of justices who are now sitting because they have lifetime appointments, but they could cut back the number of justices to seven if they want to and say the next two vacancies shouldn't be filled. So Congress does have considerable authority over the Supreme Court, even though the Supreme Court is an independent third branch of government.
6: And Judge Weinberg? Professor Dershowitz, I want to raise another issue with you, which is the call by many Democrats telling the executive branch of government to ignore the district court judge's decision in Texas on, a, on abortion. Well, Whether you think it was a right decision or a wrong decision, this is supposed to be the party calls for, uh, for respecting the, the boundaries of law, and yet they're saying ignore the federal district court judge's ruling. What do you say about that?
4: Well, that's one or two members of Congress. And, you know, they're renegade members of Congress. And she's wrong, AOC, in saying that. That was what people in the South, again, said in the 1960s. If you don't like a decision integrating a school in the South, ignore it. You can't do that if you live under the rule of law. Isn't
6: that the nullification then, doctrine,
4: which was rejected? the nullification doctrine, yes. And then Biden went out of his way yesterday to commend and say hello to Elon Omar. The, the racist, anti-Semitic bigot from Minnesota who was a Democratic member of Congress. And, you know, I voted for Biden, but shame on him for singling out her for praise. Deserve praise. She deserves condemnation.
5: I, I, and, yep. Professor, I just want to go back to what the governor said about the investigation and discovery. You know, the subpoena of Mark Pomerantz is going to get very interesting because the Mark Pomerantz left the DA's office over Bragg's reluctance to proceed against Trump in the finance indictment. There's going to be a lot of discovery that's going to come out, emails between them, information between them, documents. It's going to be very um, interesting, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, just well, what Pataki uh, was saying. Yes, go, say yeah. names. Don't we got a mi- possibly a million people listening? Who, okay. They don't know who Pomerantz yeah, is. Yeah, well, Pomerantz well, is a well, former DA. He was, he
5: was a former ADA uh, in, in Just Manhattan.
1: explain it to the people so uh, people understand what the yes. heck you're talking about. You got it. And uh, a,
4: very per-
7: good, and a very good professor.
4: Yes. Yeah, he, he had a very good reputation, Pomerantz, but he should never have written a book about a case that hadn't yet been brought giving the background about that case. Now that he's done that, he's opened himself up yep. to hearings. He may have opened himself up to be subpoenaed in the actual criminal trial itself. That's possible. If I am Trump's, if I was Trump's lawyer, which I'm not, I would think about that.
6: Aren't there ethical issues as so, well for Pomerantz using inside yeah. information or using the DA's yeah. office to write a book?
4: Well, I think he was very clear not to use uh, grand jury material because that would be a crime. Using information that he learned in the DA's office raises ethical problems, but not necessarily criminal ones.
1: Well, I can't wait if there are emails well, or correspondence. Goes it, it, it goes back to what we talked about last week, uh, Professor, is what happened to the ethics courses in law school? <laughs>
4: well, one of the reasons I wrote my book, Get Trump, which, by the way, was the Amazon bestseller over the weekend. Oh, for congrats. A- Thanks. But one of the reasons I wrote that is to return us to the days where legal ethics matter, where prosecutors do things under the pursuit of legal ethics, not partisan politics. So, and who
1: is going to regulate that? Is it the bar associations of each state, Governor? Or uh, does the bar association yeah. of each the state? The bar association
2: does, 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 but I think they have also developed this uh, yeah. political bent and, and see things. Less than uh, straightened down the middle. So what
1: did Rudy Giuliani do wrong? And he took away his his license to practice law? Without, without, without a hearing. Process. Without, yeah, without
2: that was process. after all the
3: Trump stuff, right? Without a hearing. Without a hearing. Yeah. And in yeah. both but, states, you know, New York and D.C., they went after the in bar, the District of Columbia, rather.
4: The Bar Association rule ought to be that no prosecutor can ever run for office on the promise of getting somebody and that should be something democrats and republicans agree, I agree. With. well yeah. professor yeah. professor
2: i thought Everybody. we should actually have a law saying that prosecutors have to have a, a cooling off period say six or eight years before they can run for a different office because too often instead of seeking justice they seek heads on the wall so they can use it to run for higher office
4: yeah oh there's no question look I, if you go to the united states senate and congress and count the number of lawyers there and ask how many of them will form a prosecutors. it's the vast majority uh trivial pursuit question first president in modern times ever to have been a public defender
3: well, give us the answer we're all wondering wait
2: Governor. john adams
4: oh joe biden joe biden was wow. a public defender for a short period of time in delaware well john, and, john adams
2: defended the british soldiers some so, might yeah. say
3: they're acting the no, same age charged, but you know.
2: <laughs> john yeah. adams
4: char- john Adam charged a fee he didn't let the, uh, uh. the the british soldiers uh take his money and and he got a lot of he got a lot of pushback for doing it but it was what he should have done and he did it right and he won the case for the most part he got acquittals for two of them and a well, uh, a small verdict for one of them,
1: Professor Dershowitz. Thank you uh, so much for coming oh, on, and uh, uh, we we make sure you buy Professor Dershowitz's book. Yeah,
3: Get Trump, a big get best Trump. bestseller.
6: Right. Best
1: the name on The book is and, get, get Trump, a, when, not when Get you, Trump. And when you when you're, when you're get buying get Professor you. Dershowitz's book, buy my book too. And, definitely,
7: uh, definitely. Well,
1: and you'll uh, get super smart, smart with and both you get of super them smart. no you make a billion dollars if you read my book you? and if That's, you read it twice yeah. you make two billion
3: and what if you get Professor Dershowitz's book what do you make John at that you'll point
8: you money. get some
1: you ethics know, you, <laughs> you get values you lose, and ethics Good point. you yeah. lose money and you lose
4: friends if you read my book <laughs>
1: that, no no way. Way. Uh, we're going to take a break right now and then we're going to come back with an internal discussion of so many things happening in Albany I'm going to go to the governor and say what the heck is going on let's take a break
9: a common
0: sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby, Katz and Cosby on seventy seven WABC.
1: Well, we're back, and uh, so many things are happening in New York. So many things are happening in Albany, and uh, we're—I think—we're in the middle of trying to decide who's going to be the next governor in Albany because the state senate, the state assembly, is attacking Governor Hochul. And Governor Hochul has to be tough enough to hang out. And uh, uh, Governor Pataki, you've been there. You served 12 years for our great state here. And you maintained to make sure it is a great state. And you did a great job. Uh, Governor Hochul, she's a tough Irish girl. She has to stay tough. You tell us what's
2: a- going absolutely. on. Absolutely. She has to s- stay tough. The budget's supposed to be adopted April 1st. Uh, and what are we now? April 10th. And, uh, uh um, but I remember when I was governor, we had budgets that weren't enacted until the end of August because I just said, you know, we're going to get these changes because we have to for the future of the state. And the legislature didn't want to do it. But ultimately, the governor has the power, the ability to control whether and how the government functions until there's a budget pass. So you're absolutely right, John. She has to hang tough. She has to insist on bail reform. She has to insist on – expanding the number of charter schools, she has to avoid tax increases. We're already way too highly taxed, and uh, I hope she just hangs tough on this. But i got to tell you, one thing is very disappointing to me. We were just talking with Professor Dershowitz about the rule of law. Governor Hochul just announced her new choice to be chief judge of the Court of Appeals. Yeah, Rowan this is, Wilson. This is not a centrist. This is not consistent with her last choice. This is someone who represents giving in to the left in the legislature. Well, the, the, the state senate is is having a
1: party. Yeah. They're celebrating. Of course. The state assembly is having a party. They're celebrating. They got their way. And they got their way. And, and, and then uh, – I want to find out what's
2: going to happen. They're going to try this to open up the redistricting. Absolutely. Well, part of this, a large part of the motivation for the Democrats is they lost four to three on the unconstitutionality of the partisan gerrymandering. The Republicans won five House seats and they want to undo that. And now with this new judge who is in their pocket. I fear that they're going to, one of the first things they're going to do is try to overturn redistricting and force new partisan lines again. And it may be upheld this time. But more importantly than that, that's important is, you know, we're just talking about the rule of law and you how you have to expect, or respect decisions. I fear in New York, we're going to have a lot of judges, including at the highest level, who just make the law anything they want it to be. As opposed to what has been passed and what is written. And the, the Court of Appeals, the highest court, was the one bastion that was standing in the way of partisan, complete control of how the state runs. And I fear we may have lost it.
3: And Governor, what does that mean for all the great, you know, citizens of New
2: York? What is, yeah, it, is the
1: implication? Well, 484,000 have left already.
2: Yeah, and, uh, and more every day, you know, and I see they're trying to build 600, 800,000 more housing units. We have so many people leaving. I wonder where we need those housing units. But it's just, it's really sad, but uh, you have to have hope. You have to believe this is still a great state with great people. And if she hangs tough on the other things, hopefully we can make some progress this year.
6: But my concern is that the- Judge and, Weinberg? As the governor knows, this the Court of Appeals is a constitutional court. It rules on the ultimate constitutionality of the legislation passed. And if you have someone who leans and follows- the progressive left, they can pass any kind of radical legislation and get an amen from the Court of Appeals saying it's constitutional when, in fact, an objective court would say to the contrary. That's, that's, exact, dangerous.
2: that's exactly why the legislature rejected Hochul's first choice because he was a constitutionalist who was going to do the right thing. And I fear uh, what Not you said is exactly they the case.
1: Not reject her first choice, they Rejected Hispanics, yeah. Latinos, yeah, there's no in Hispanic, New York State. Right? No. Not even in, I I in mean, the know This disgrace. guy was a, was a good judge, I understand. I, I've res- never met him. Highly respected, highly by, highly all respected. Judges, by all judges. Yeah. No. But, highly but respected. But he
2: didn't fit their ideological agenda. And that's what's sad. This is a great country because we're pragmatic. Common sense, as you would put Common it, John. Common sense. You solve problems. We are replacing common sense with ideology, and now we're going to see it at the state's highest court. Well, you know, they picked him
5: because he was more of the liberal side, and they said it's important to pick a candidate that will defend abortion rights in the face of last year's U.S. Supreme Court decision. So it's the abortion rights. And it's the gerrymandering. But what does it mean for bail reform? That's the it, well, big issue. But you know what? But Hokel is safe. Showing, keep yeah, us yeah. safe. Keep us safe. But Hochul is showing that she's really got no power. It's, it's the Senate and she the Assembly. she a ruling You know, said, you know she, she, she was has She has the
2: power. Yeah, she was right. But she voluntarily nominated this yeah. person yeah. to yeah. be the chief judge. And, uh, by the way, if she were going to do it, she should have waited and said, you pass bail reform, then maybe I'll give you your judge. I
1: understand. We're going to continue to talk about this, but I understand right now we have Dr. Michalos on the phone. Let's go to Dr. Michalos. With us today is Dr. Peter Michalos, and there's new revelations every day on what's helping us to live longer. Dr. Michalos, what are today's revelations? Well, it's
7: great to be with the uh, team and It's amazing that vitamin D is really turning out to get so much attention as a uh, miracle vitamin, but it actually turns out to be a hormone. And some of the recent studies showed that the people who had very low vitamin D levels, they had a 112% higher risk of getting dementia, which is a big deal. And of the dementia category, Alzheimer's, the most common cause, uh, common category of dementia. And they found that the people with low vitamin D level had brain shrinkage. They had more strokes, more dementia. And now we're learning that vitamin D just doesn't play one role. It turns out that's involved in glucose metabolism. It turns out that vitamin D boosts our immune system and helps fight off viral infections. It turns out that it helps bone absorb calcium and phosphorus, which avoids the Thin bones like osteoporosis where people get more fractures and that's a big cause of death when older people break a hip. They end up bedridden, they end up with clots and they, it ends up being lethal. And the uh, during the COVID crisis, we found that the people with low vitamin D did not fare as well as the people who had higher vitamin D. It also reduces inflammation and on a very happy note, it even is the precursor to the happy hormone serotonin which is involved with our happiness levels in our brain. And a lot of the psychiatric medicines that are given, that's what they do. They boost those hormones. But it's a a big revelation that now we know that, you know, we really need to get blood tests more often and we need to insist with our doctors because some of the insurance companies deny a vitamin D level. But you can even order it uh, yourself online now without a doctor through some of the big labs like LabCorp and Quest and mylifeforce.com, and you can get those levels. And knowing your vitamin D level is turning out to be much more important than uh, was previously uh, thought, and it's something we want our audience to be aware of and uh, to continue to stay healthy. So this is a big deal that just taking a simple vitamin, and the vitamin that is often recommended is the vitamin D K2 form, which apparently gets better absorbed and uh, that's basically our, uh, our revelation of the uh, a day with the vitamins and also the B-complex vitamins play a role because there are some people who sometimes have very low B12 levels and they think that they have dementia, but they actually have cognitive decline from very low vitamin B12. And that's also been shown to be a helpful vitamin to keep our brains happy and healthy in addition to omega-3s and eating fish is also good for brain health and cognitive function.
1: Uh, understood. So it seems like uh, vitamin D three is more than just a vitamin. Like you said, it's a. Uh, a, a, a it seems it has a wide uh, implications on your overall body health.
7: Yeah, it turns out to be one of the building blocks of health, immunity, inflammation, bone building, brain development. So it really is like the cement and glue. That uh, is a main function in our our body and plays a very important role. So we just want to remind our audience, please get your D levels checked, follow up. Also follow up after you've been taking vitamin D for a while because it's fat soluble. So it builds up in the body. The mnemonic is ADEK, A-D-E-K. Those are the fat soluble vitamins that can build up in our body. The other ones, we just beat them out, but those are fat soluble. So talk to your doctor, check your levels, stay healthy and keep listening to WABC.
1: One last question. Uh, It it seems like the uh, vitamin D3 with the K2 that we talked about is very important. Uh, Just to go one step further, what's the next most important vitamin that you think?
7: Well, I think that the B vitamins, which are needed for cognitive and brain health, turn out to be extremely important. And we know so many people who, uh, especially in the anti-aging, generally going to get their B12 shots, because it is associated with brain health, cognitive decline, energy levels. So I think the class of B vitamins are extremely important. And of course, vitamin C, which helps to heal because it's involved in the collagen production. That's how it was discovered. People used to have bleeding gums. Their wounds wouldn't heal, especially on transatlantic voyages. And that's how an English doctor started giving limes to take on long trips. That's why they call the British sailors limeys, because that was the way they got vitamin C by throwing a few drops in the water and it turns out to be a critical component of collagen and repair and that's why after you have surgery or procedures or you're healing vitamin C plays a major role and it's the glue to our skin and our collagen structure
1: understood Dr. Peter Mihalos, thank you for coming on today and uh, we're going to talk to you over the weekend too and see uh, what else is going on and uh, thank you for uh, having our listeners live longer
7: Thank you very much. Continue doing your great programming and work and getting the truth out.
1: National
3: security. Wow. That was really, really fascinating. And coming up on Katz and Cosby, we're going to be talking to the former national security advisor for Vice President Pence, Keith Kellogg, about these big Intel leaks, Paul Vallis from Chicago, and Mike Pompeo, an action packed show.
1: Mike Pompeo is waiting for us, and that's going to be. Great interview.
3: Everybody stay tuned. A lot more ahead right after the break.
9: You're
0: commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC.
3: And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. Huge leaks in the intel community and really uh destroying, I think, many of our relationships with allies. Enormous stuff coming out today. Everybody's talking about it. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby is General Keith Kellogg. He was former National Security Advisor to Vice President Mike Pence. General Kellogg, what are the ramifications of these massive leaks? They're saying uh that it could be, you know, thousands potentially. Right now we know that there's quite a bit. They don't know who did it.
10: Yeah, Reader, thanks for having me today. Good to be with you. Look, this, this is pretty significant in the leak and, and the problem they've got right now is that they don't know how big it is. I mean, this could actually start to cascade and more and more of it. And part of that, very frankly, started the very, you know, what caused it. To start with, I cannot be- believe the Pentagon has allowed access control to kind of run wild. There was a report today, and actually Jennifer Griffin made the comment, that up to 5,000 people may have an ability to see these slides. 5,000? Now, you know, that's when I was in the White House, we most of our stuff was compartmented, special category. And you had to sign for every document and read it and give it back. And then this is just kind of wide open. So what you've got, the problem you've got right now is to start with, you've got distrust within our allies because they're going, geez, you guys don't even have any control over this, any control of your access and your materials. And it's divisive because of that. And the other one is you're probably giving up sources and methods. Because what our adversaries will do, they'll read every single word of of that document and they'll start to be able to piece it together step by step, like like a giant tapestry, putting it all together.
3: And, you know, what's scary, General, also Egypt. We were talking about this, John, before the show, that they were planning on selling thousands of rockets, basically, essentially to Russia while, you know, for them to use in Ukraine while they're our ally. We're giving them 1.6 billion dollars a year uh i mean they yeah. were like sound like some secret deal going behind our back
10: well you know that's not <laughs> with this administration though rita that's not surprising i mean when you look look just to do a quick shift It was when you've got francois you know macron i'm sorry emmanuel macron from france coming out of uh, china the other day and talking about strategic autonomy and you guys are kind of on your own when it comes to taiwan part of that is because people just don't trust this administration and when you're when you're looking at these documents, that then they're accurate documents. I mean, I looked at them really close and looked at what they look like and said, yeah, those are, you know, those are clearly, you know, good documents. Meaning good, they're real. But it's just the, the amount of access that somebody had, and able to get that out of there, they've got to get to the bottom of it. I don't think they will. Though. When you've got that many people out there, Rita, having access to that information, trying to track it down, exactly who it is it's going to be really, really hard. So it looks like what happened was they've got these documents and then they've made screenshots of those documents.
3: So how um, bad is this? I mean, this is those. really scary stuff, John. I mean, the fact that it's out there now. Well,
1: I mean, the other thing that was scary stuff, and we're going to talk to uh, Mike Pompeo later on about it, is, is the fact that Macron, uh, the, uh, the, attorney, uh, the uh, 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 president of uh, France, is uh, making deals with Beijing. Yeah, and throwing us sort of under the bus. What do you make of that?
10: Well, look, this is all because, you know, America's not leading at all. I mean, you can I can give you chapter and verse. You talk about Macron going to China. Then <coughs> he talks about strategic autonomy, which basically says you're kind of on your own. When you look at the dollar, now and there's a potential of the dollar over time being replaced as a reserve concern, currency of the world. And we replaced the, the, the pound sterling in the, in the 40s, and now that we're looking at ours going down, which means the ability to do sanctions is even lessened. When you look at what's happening with uh, One Belt, One Road and what China's doing on the expansion, you're seeing what's happening inside Ukraine and the fact that we still haven't supplied them to the best capability that, that we could. You're going to have an endless war there. We're doing almost 80% of the support. Uh, it just goes on and on. And then you look at you know the respect we don't really have, even here in Latin America, look what happened with Honduras just the other day, Rita. The fact that you know they uh, you know renounced their uh, recognition of Taiwan as you know as, as the real China, they've now said, okay, China, you're you know you're the real China, and now that means Taiwan has got 13 countries re- to recognize it. They're not even in the UN, so you've only got 13 countries not in the UN. What does that happen with the Chinese when they want to probably take back Taiwan? And I think they will within the next two years. They'll make a play for it either diplomatically or they'll do it militarily because Xi uh, is in his third unprecedented, third six-year term. And he's not going to leave that six-year term unless he has reunification with Taiwan. And I think the vulnerability next two years, because they know they've got Biden in the White House. By the way,
3: I think you hit it on the head, General Kellogg, uh, the fact that Biden's there in the White House, all of these things happening. Uh, General Kellogg, we got to go to a break, but we are so glad you're here. We love
1: having you on. Thank you. Thank you, you, General. Let's take a break, and when we come back, uh, we have um, Mike Pompeo. uh, Mike Pompeo, and maybe uh, we might have uh, Mr. Vallis, uh, who uh, ran for mayor in Chicago. Find out what's going on there.
0: It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC.
1: Well, we're back, and with uh, us today is uh, Paul Vallis. He ran for mayor in Chicago. He lost by only a few thousand votes. Uh, uh, Paul Vallis, how many votes did you lose by in Chicago?
8: You know, they're still counting. It's probably going to be about 20%. I I think it's about 2% of the of votes. Uh, but, th- you know, there were so many uh, uh, votes cast, mail-in uh, ballots. I think there were close to 100,000 votes that uh, – had to be counted after election night. So, uh, and, and it's it's breaking the way. Uh, we really didn't pick up any additional um, 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 percentage points. So it's pretty much, uh, we're going to finish about 2% behind, I think.
1: Now, I, I talked to some of your uh, uh, people that supported you in, in Chicago. I don't want to mention names. But they said that, uh, I said, was this a black and white thing? They said, no, no he says uh paul Vallis, a lot of 18 to 24 year olds white people voted uh for dan johnson the guy who uh is for law and, and uh, you disorder were for law and no, no, no law no law less meant much law, less disorder. order in the uh, police department i know the police department was very upset about it how did you see the votes are breaking well, you know, he did very well in the African American community.
8: Obviously, in the black community, he he got uh, um, almost eighty percent of the vote. Uh, you know, eighty percent. Be yeah, eighty percent. I thought we would do better given my track record. You uh, know, uh, and then he did well among the uh, wards where you have uh, a large number of of. Uh, um, very liberal Bernie Sanders-type voters, you know, a lot of the white voters. So he did well in those wards too. Uh, he, you know, I did well in other areas of the city. You know, uh, I won most of the Latino votes. Uh, and, of course, you know, I did better in um, – I did better, uh, much better in some of the other uh, non-Latino. And, and I did well in the Asian wards as well as uh, um, some of the other – uh, more conservative white wards but but yeah uh, you know it
2: and now uh, governor pataki you got a question yeah, for paul paul, paul, i know that the crime issue was strongly in your favor Strong. what were the and i know the teachers union was totally in the, the po- behind your opponent uh was education or was there another issue that you had that cut in your favor i mean like education when you have the schools doing so poorly i would think we could make that into an issue that works for someone like you well you're
6: know, crime
8: <laughs> They certainly wanted to portray me as a Republican, and as you know, uh, uh, from my track record, I am a lifelong Democrat, and they tried to uh, hit me on, uh, you know, they really wanted someone that, that they, they, they really tried to portray me as a conservative right winger. As you know, I've always been, uh, uh, I've been a lifelong Democrat. I've i have always been a supporter of uh, women's reproductive rights, and hell, I, you know, I supported uh, marriage equality in 2001 when I ran against Robert Gorbich, so You know, clearly there was an aggressive effort to kind of portray me as uh, they didn't have a Republican running or a conservative Republican running in what is a very, very, very blue city. So they worked overtime to basically push this narrative. And while we did our best to counter it, uh, clearly that had an impact, particularly in some of the um, really liberal, you know, progressive wards.
1: Paul, we we have to go. We, I, we have uh, Secretary Mike Pompeo on the other line. Thank you for so much for calling in. And we want to talk to you some more. Maybe we'll talk over the weekend.
8: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so Thank much. You so much.
1: Thank you, Paul. Let's bring in Mike Pompeo. With us today is former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. And uh, there's so many things happening in this world that uh, we had to go straight to the top to find out what the heck is happening, uh, Mr. Secretary I am worried about the world. I am worried about our country. Where do you want to begin this afternoon?
9: Oh, my goodness. So, John, uh, lots going on in the Middle East. Think about the last 20, now, what is it, five months, 25 months since um, I was the Secretary of State. We had isolated Iran. Israel knew we were with them, and the Gulf Arab states all understood that uh, we'd be there If they ever got in a scrape with Iran, and in these 25 months, we've now seen uh, the administration try to cut a deal and give billions of dollars to the Iranians. Uh, President Biden undermined Israel in ways that we could spend a lot of time talking about, and of course, the Gulf Arab states now seeing that they that the United States can't be relied upon in important ways, and beginning to hedge their bets, not only by drawing a little bit closer and taking down tension with Iran. But by making playing footsie with Xi Jinping in China as well, this is this all sounds like it's a long ways away. But for every American who is listened to this, uh, we are less safe. And if this trend continues, likely to have to be a less prosperous country. Life will be more difficult for us if American leadership is not reexerted and done so quickly.
1: It seems like Saudi Arabia hates uh, our current uh, administration in Washington, and they're doing everything to. Uh, uh, to fight it, uh, they've, they've stirred up some of the other Arab states, United Am- Arab uh, Emirates, and uh, in Egypt, and and even uh, the other thing that happened uh, just in the last uh, forty-eight hours or seventy-two hours was uh, Macron from France flew over and met with uh, uh, with China, and uh, he sort of made it statements that. Uh, if the United States goes uh, uh, to fight in Taiwan, uh, sort of uh, leave us out. I mean, this is unbelievable. What's going on in this, uh, in this world?
9: It is. It is remarkable. And for for everyone who's listening, this this matters to each of us. This matters if you live in Tennessee or you live in uh, Nevada or you live in Florida. Uh, th- these these issues uh, impact your life every day. Think about this: uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, is called a pariah by President Biden. And energy prices rise. The president empties or nearly empties the strategic petroleum reserve, uh, in an effort to reduce prices, putting Americans at more risk. And the Saudis say, well, if, if you are going to say the word pariah nation, fine. If you don't want to be with us, uh, we'll behave differently. And so they, they have. I don't, I don't think it's that they hate this administration. I think it's worse. I think they don't trust this administration. And, you know, Macron's comments yesterday, they were galling. They were galling to every American who served in Afghanistan. They were galling to any of us who told the Europeans, you better take your own defense seriously or Vladimir Putin will do something that will impact you. And for him to fly to China and say, you know, we're going to do business with China and we no longer want to follow the United States, um, that, that that is bad for France. And the last thing I'll say on this is, American people should know not every European thinks the way that President Macron does. There are many Europeans in Poland, in the uh, North, Nordic countries, um, who understand the importance of the West, the ideas that we hold true here in America. Uh, Macron just simply got it wrong. He botched it. He botched it for his own people. And we should make clear to him that's unacceptable. Europe has a real responsibility to lead across the world. They are a wealthy nation. And if they're not going to do it, there will be, there is a real danger that France will fall out of the circle of nations that care about basic human rights and dignity and the things that every American cares about.
1: Uh, Mr. Secretary, it it seems like uh, uh, many of other nations are choosing up sides. Uh, uh, China is creating the new evil empire or, or or what we called in, in James Bond days, Spectra. I mean, they're aligned <laughs> with so many countries. Uh, and e- even Turkey, and a NATO nation, France, Turkey is, uh, partially aligned, uh, with Russia. And we got Egypt now partially aligned with, with Russia. I mean, you can't make this up. I mean, what, what's next? What, what, if you were sitting in the Oval Office? Uh, what would you advise the president?
9: Oh goodness! Of course, I was laughing not because you are not right about the risk of cascading crisis, but it was the James Bond reference that got me. Uh, I think that I think that captures uh, where we are today: China, Iran, Russia, uh, Venezuela, North Korea, all working together against the interest of every American. Look, my, my recommendation for this president would be the same ones that I had for President Trump. A, build the American economy. Take care of business at home. Get get our kids in schools learning the right things. Make sure that we're enforcing the rule of law, growing our economy, reducing taxes. All those things that that cause other countries to say, I want to be friends with them. I want to trade with them. I want to do business with them. Those are reinforcing for American power in the world. Our biggest asset is our own internal coherence the ability of America to lead. Uh, the second thing I would say to him is the appeasement model, the idea that you're going to run around the world and apologize for America doesn't work. It will only cause people to lose respect for, my, for us. And so our adversaries will not fear us, and our friends won't trust us. What you should go around the world saying is we're America, we are unique, uh, we want to be your friend, but we're going to put America first, And when we do, you can be confident that we will be alongside you when the going gets tough. And remind them that Xi Jinping is a bad actor. This is someone who wants the world to look more like his world, a a destitute place where uh, millions and millions of people live in poverty and a million people are held in concentration camp-like conditions. This is not what we want America and Europe and other countries who are rights-respecting to be. Don't fall for it. Don't let him fool you we're right, they're wrong, and we're going to win.
1: Uh, Mr. Secretary, it seems like there is an economic war going on besides. Uh, I had dinner with the, uh, Senator Sullivan and uh, from Alaska, and uh, they're trying to open up 250,000 barrels a day from Alaska, and he was in the White House a couple weeks ago to do so. And the price of oil went down to $65 at that point. Then all of a sudden, Russia... And Saudi Arabia don't want $65 oil. They want $100 oil. So they announced cuts. So there's a world crisis going on. If the United States opened up its spigots, we'd have closer to $65 oil and no inflation. But Russia and and Saudi Arabia, to run their economy, they want $8,500 oil. How do we sort this out?
9: We should be producing every ounce of fossil fuel energy in the United States that we can mobilize. We shouldn't be penalizing uh, financial institutions, banks that want to invest in this with these silly rules that they call ESG rules. We should be producing this energy for America. We should be selling it to our friends around the world. You're right. We'd have a lower uh, energy price. That's good for our country, too. Uh, and we would have tens of thousands of jobs here in the United States, high-paying jobs in America as well. The, the fantasy that President Biden has foisted on the world, that you're going to drive the world forward on windmills and sunshine, doesn't exist. The math simply doesn't work today. It may two years from now, it may ten years from now. But today we need every possible source, including solar and wind, uh, from America. When we do that, when we get that right, America will lead the world forward with a low energy price, that means good food security for the world, too. Uh, this matters for everybody who's trying to put the dinner on the table. High energy prices are bad for the American families, bad for the American people. And sadly, the Biden administration's policies are exactly the opposite of what would provide that affordable energy for the United States.
1: Agreed. Mr. Secretary, we have a minute left. What? Tell us what you want to tell the American people. The American people are suffering a trillion dollars worth of wealth moved over from America's to Russia and the OPEC nations, and 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 the, the people that are hurting are the poor and the middle class.
9: It's, it's always the case that these policies put together in the elite salons of New York and Washington um, always hurt the least amongst us the most. It's because they're not, they've never lived in the real world. They've never had to make payroll. Um, the same way I ran a small business, in which they just don't get it. Here's what I think everybody should know. America will get this right we 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 will figure our way through this. It's going to take great leaders to do that, not just presidents but governors, mayors, school board members, city council men and women when When people begin to go to go to the faith institutions and turn to these places for the leadership they're looking for, we get it right. I'm confident we're going to uh, this is a moment in time that's going to require each of us to be serious about protecting the things that matter to us most, and I'm convinced we'll get there.
1: Secretary Pompeo, thank you for coming on this afternoon, and uh, God Sorry, bless John, you. Thank you, sir. And God bless America. Thank you. Well, wow. I mean, uh, he's he terrific. Was good. What do you think, uh, Governor?
2: I'll tell you, I was very impressed because he laid out the problems. But then when you listen to him at the end, and he's still optimistic that we can have the right leadership at all levels, from local to the country, and that will get things going forward. And that's a message we need to hear because we have an administration that is screwing up everything. You have to have hope. That with the right leadership, this great country is going to come back and get better.
3: Get to the voting booths on yeah. election yeah. days. That's the message. Any opinion?
5: <clears throat> what we were talking about before is that all these countries are uniting against the United States. Um, they're picking allies and working together, and and we have a president that has no idea what's going on. And they're seeing this weakness, and they realize they have a year and some months left.
6: And well, China is rounding up there. Yeah.
1: There all the all new uh, people, all yeah. the uh, players. Judge,
6: thank you. Thank you. I just want I just want to say, as a as a House Democrat, we need somebody like Mom Pum, Mike Pompeo in the White House. He's yep. great. Thank and you. And
1: John, you have another big book event tonight. Another book, big book event. Oh, I can't tell you until tomorrow night where it was for right. security reasons. But uh, we'll t- we'll talk about it tomorrow night. I can't wait. Another couple hundred people, hopefully. Awesome. Uh, Judge Weinberg, Governor Pataki, Craig Eaton, uh, Rita. Whatever you all stand for, truth, truth justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. And we haven't renamed this from the Daily Planet Building. (laughs) Great show, John.